If you take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 17, Genesis 17. Tonight, aha, there we go. Tonight, I'm going to do a you ought to know night, and this is a this is a you ought to know that is is a lot of teaching. There's a lot of content involved. There's a lot of um, a lot of things that you as believers need to know tonight, and um, so I'm actually using a little bit of a PowerPoint tonight just so that. Uh, we can kind of lay out some things and, and so you'll understand. You may want to take a piece of paper. I don't know if you're going to be, be able to read those tonight um, and write some of this stuff down. That may be helpful to you. Um, <clears throat> Genesis 17, if we could stand this time for the reading of God's word, Genesis 17, 1. I'm going to start in verse 1. This is what it says. And when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me, and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God, to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And then go to verse 19. Verse 19, same chapter. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I'm going to back up just for a minute. <clears throat> so Abraham decided, and Sarah actually decided, that they're going to need some help to fulfill God's promise to them in making Abraham a father of many nations. So <clears throat> Sarah gave her handmaiden to Abraham, and as a result of that, there was a child that was born. And this is the explanation of what God says. In verse 19, And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, that's who I'm referring to, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and I will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princesses shall come, shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we can come to your house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I just pray tonight that you will um, help me speak clearly, Lord, on the topic that 
that I'm going to speak on tonight. Lord, I just pray that I will not say anything, Lord, that you would ha not have me say. I pray, Lord, that it will be understood and your word will go out boldly. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Throughout history, there has been a constant attack on Jews and the nation of Israel. And I'm not referring necessarily to the Holocaust, which that was horrific. But the attacks are continuing throughout the years. In the name of religion, attacks and attempts have been made to destroy the Jewish people. Just in the past year alone, there has been a record number of attacks on Jews and Jewish organizations in the United States. Attacks on Jewish community centers, synagogues, have increased by 61%, with incidents in K through 12 um, incidents happening um, 106%. And then physical assaults against Jews have increased 167% in one year alone, and that is in the United States of America. Radical religious groups, such as the black Hebrew Israelites, who believe that Jewish people are not the true chosen people, have murdered Jews here in the United States. Militant group, groups have attacked Jews, burnt synagogues, and sent out racial hate mail across this nation into Jewish communities. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, uh, nine student organizations from Berkeley School of Law um, created Zionist free zones. We'll see how that plays out. Many of these attacks have been in the name of religion. The accusations of Jews being responsible for killing Jesus throughout the centuries have reemerged in recent times. The fact of the matter is, it wasn't necessarily the Jews that killed Jesus, it was you and I Amen. for my sin and your sin that put Jesus on that cross. If it wasn't for you and I in the need for salvation, Jesus didn't have to go to that cross, but he did because of you and I. Schools in a number of states throughout the U.S. have been instructed not to teach the Holocaust. Florida statutes actually require the um, requires the Holocaust be taught. And in 2021, last year, a new standard was adopted. Uh, Governor DeSantis was there when that new standard was adopted. And this is what he said, and I quote, we want to make sure our students understand the evils of the Holocaust. You see, people throughout the world try to diminish or even reject that the Holocaust even happened. I'm gonna give you some terms tonight. A lot of times there's a lot of terms that are, are used, and I want to go ahead and explain what these terms are tonight. As soon as I figure this out. There we go. The first term is called anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism can be defined as a hatred expressed toward Jews with manifestations through rhetoric or physical um, actions directed toward a Jewish community or even non-Jewish individuals. It includes the attack on property, Jewish communities, institutions, and relig religious organizations. The second one I want to define tonight is an apartheid 
This is an important term. If you've heard the word apartheid before, an apartheid can be defined as an institutionalized regime of systemic oppression and domination by one racial group over other racial groups with the intent of maintaining that regime. The Jewish state, in its existence alone, has been called apartheid because of its, quote, systemic racism. The position goes on in apartheid when it's referring to the Jewish state as Israel has no right to exist as a nation because they're not only a nation of Jewish race, but also they're a, they're a, um, they have a Jewish religion. Therefore, they don't have the right to exist as a nation. And then I want to describe the term BDS. You heard BDS movement. Um, you'll hear that sometimes. Um, probably you'll hear it in the press. Sometimes you hear it in other organizations. BDS is a movement that has spread across the United States and internationally. It stands for a threefold financial attack against Israel. And it includes boycotting, divesting, and sanctions against the nation of Israel. Let me explain what divesting means. Do you know what it means to invest? For example, I want to invest in stocks um, and bonds, etc. Divesting is doing the opposite of that. It's basically um, unloading stocks or bonds or anything of that nature um, that has any relation to Israel, Israel's company, the government of Israel, um, or any organization that is um, in the state of Israel. That is what divesting means. Sanctions obviously means um, economic sanctions. They're asking the United States government to impose economic sanctions against Israel, and boycotting is basically not buying anything um, that is made in Israel. That is what the term means. Then I want to go to another uh, group of definitions, and this is there are four major anti-Israel theologies, four of them. And I want to go through them. A lot of them have, have been through generations and generations. Some of them are a little bit new. Some of them are just um, some old theology stuff that has been uh, renamed. But this is what uh, the terms are. Covenant theology or replacement theology, also called supersessionism. Say that fast a couple times. This is a belief system that the church in the New Testament replaced the Jewish people in God's promise to his chosen people um, on earth in the Abrahamic covenant. So basically it's saying that when the church came to light, it replaced um, the Abrahamic covenant, the God's promise that he made to Abraham that it was placed, replaced when uh, the New Testament church came to light. However, in, Jew, in, in Genesis 17, 7, it says this, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. And then in Genesis 17, 19, I will establish my covenant, re referring to um, Isaac, with him for an everlasting covenant with his seed after him. The promise God made to the Jewish people is still valid, and it's called dispensationalism. 
The Old and New Testament is literal in its complete Word of God. And it must be interpreted as such. You can't use a New Testament to change or alter the Old Testament. They are complete. And one does not out, outrule the other. Another doctrine is called fulfillment theology. Fulfillment theology. This is the belief that Jesus fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant and ended it when it came, when, when it came in the New Testament. So basically what their belief system is, is that the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that God made that was an everlasting covenant with Abraham um, ended because it was fulfilled when Jesus came to the scene. They believe there's, there's no further connection with the Jews or Israel, making them no longer relevant to Christians today. Now let me explain to you the issue with that. Again, it's an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant. And I will say this, that there's another, another place in the Bible that mentions everlasting. And it's everlasting life. So if God makes a covenant and he gives us everlasting life, then does that mean that, well, it's conditional? Or is it everlasting? It's everlasting. The next term is, and the other, the other uh, theology is this, it's called conditional Abrahamic covenant. Um, this has become very popular in recent times. It's a belief system that God's promise to the Jewish people will still be valid if the Jewish people held their end of the deal. But because they sinned, God's promise is no longer the case which brought about the New Testament church. It's almost if Christians in Christianity in the New Testament was kind of like God's plan B. Plan A didn't work, so God came up with a plan B because he made a promise, but he's taken back his promise but he can justify taking back his promise because the Jews didn't keep their end of the deal. This is very similar to what's uh, supersationalism. It, it, it blames the Jews for rejecting Christ. The Abrahamic covenant was not conditional. Throughout the Old Testament, when God was dealing with the Israelites, he would make conditional promises. But they were if-then statements. For example, if my people who are called by my name, etc., then I will heal from heaven and heal, heal, their, heal their land. If then statements. Every time God made a promise on an if then statement, it was if this happened, then this would happen. If this happened, this would happen. On a covenant that he made that was unconditional covenant, uh, as an everlasting covenant, God meant it was everlasting. There's another theology called figurative interpretation. Figurative interpretation. And this is what this theology believes. It believes that promises and prophecies are not interpreted literally. Um, it's all figuratively interpretation. So I always wonder at what point and who determines what's figurative and what's literal. 
justified justification by grace and grace alone. Um, if my people are called by my name, that's figured. It, how do you how do you determine that? There's a um, organization called Christians for Middle Eastern Peace hosted a webinar, and they are encouraging people to interpret Old Testament themes through the lens of the New Testament. Many of these religions positions, they're not new. Many of this is not new at all. In 1543, there's a guy by the name of Martin Luther, and he published a work, and I'm going to get some people mad at me over this, but I'm all right with it. Martin Luther was the father of the Great Reformation. He published a writing called On Jews and Their Lies, which he attacked the Jewish lineage. He debated the, the covenant that God had with them, and he accused them of stealing, robbing from others. He declared rabbis who cheat, teach Judaism should lose their life and limbs. He stated that all silver and gold should be taken away from them and went on to say that Jews must be driven out of the country like mad dogs. This is in his writing on Jews and their lies. He went on to say that their homes should be leveled and destroyed, their synagogues burned. Hitler was a fan of Martin Luther, and he actually quoted Luther in his writings in Men Kampf. And he actually acted upon Luther's writings and attacked Jews. Martin Luther, there's a lot of people that would argue what I just said. They won't argue that he said it and he wrote it. There's no argument to that. It's factual. But the argument is, well, he got mad at the Jews because of this, and he was upset because he was really friendly to the Jews early on, but he got mad at them because he could not seem to convert them. Um, I'm sorry that that's not how you win the lost. It doesn't work that way. And the fact of the matter is, Hitler did exactly what Martin Luther recommended. John Calvin was another one that came to scene. He was a super sensationalist. Now, he wasn't uh, quite as vicious in this sense against the Jews, but he taught that God did not have to keep his covenant with the Jews because they rejected the gospel. Calvin also said that God put an end to this covenant with Israel. And again, this is super sensationalist. This is uh, replacement theology, covenant theology. That is where that term, or that actually came from, is probably John Calvin. It actually may, be, may have come from St. Augustine, which I don't believe was a saint, but it did come from him because he had some of the same belief systems. Right. Many religious leaders today would say um, <clears throat> that Jews don't have a right to Israel because they actually drove out people. They drove out the Philistines. And um, Pastor gave me a, um, a book, and I, I was looking at it, and it was from uh, J. Vernon McGee. And he pointed out this. He said this, the word Philistine actually comes from a Hebrew 
word migration. The fact of the matter is, it wasn't their native land to begin with. God had given that land to Abraham. The next slide I want to go to is denominational overview. Now, before I click this slide, there are four categories in this. I'll go ahead and click it. There are four categories in this denominational overview. And these are churches, they're some of the most popular churches here in the United States. And this is not a perfect column. I just want to let you know that, and I'll explain what I mean in a minute. <coughs> um, the first column you'll see is, is reformed, okay? Reform, the Great Reformation, you can think of that in that, in that nature. <coughs> Out of the Reformation came the Lutheran Church, came the Presbyterians, non-denominational, um, and about half of the Southern Baptists. Now, I'm saying what is happening today, not what came during the Great Reformation, okay? But these are a lot of doctrines that these groups of people use. Through that Reformation, uh, there's a Presbyterian group that uses it, Lutherans, non-denominational. Um, there's about half of the Southern Baptists use um, the Reformed theology, and that's really what, what I'm referring to. From that, in their support of Israel, um, they politically support Israel, but they do not theologically support Israel. In other words, they believe in covenant theology, replacement theology, or some other mixture of theology that would prevent them from saying Israel is still, the Jews are still God's chosen people. Okay, so they're friendly to them politically, but they don't believe biblically that there is any standing with the Jews in the Jewish nation. The next one is I'm going to call the early church. Now, um, from that, um, most of these came from, these are, these are uh, basically denominations that did not come from the Catholic denomination. Okay, these are groups of people that did not come from Catholic. For example, um, you would think of our church would come from that because of the Anabaptists would actually come from this because we were not part of the Catholic Church or we were not part of the Reformation. So you would think of us as that way. Um, there's other groups in there, Nazarenes, and I'm going to say something about Nazarenes. Nazarenes, their heritage actually came from a Methodist theology. Um, it was actually John Wesley, but they, um, they changed some of the, the parts of um, the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's where Nazarenes came from. Holiness came from also uh, a Wesley theology, but then they came into uh, Pentecostal. That's all that same type of group of people. There's about half of Southern Baptists um, have a um, have a early church theology, um, Assembly of Gods, and, non and non-denominational. These groups, and there's several reasons that some of these groups, and I'll try to explain it, they, some of these groups believe, we don't, but I'm saying some of these groups believe that God um, is setting up the kingdom, and it's, it's through Israel and through the new, um, through Israel and through the new Jerusalem, and it's their job on earth now, the church age is gone, and they believe actually that 
um, their job is to set up the New Jerusalem. Okay. Now that is a, that is a, a theology that I'm just giving you there, just saying that we're not related to them. Okay. So don't think we are. Okay. I'm putting them in that category because politically they support Israel and theologically they believe that Israel is God's chosen people. And that is what we as um, Central Baptist Church believe. Because we believe that God's word is literal. Amen. Then there's another group, Roman Catholic, and I'm going to just mention them real quick and then I'm going to kind of move on because they're kind of in an unusual place here. Roman Catholic, Anglican, and Orthodox. Roman Catholic um, is um, a group that does not politically support Israel, nor do they theologically support Israel. But I'm going to explain a little bit about um, what they're moving into. And I also want to say this, just because somebody belongs to one of these denominations doesn't necessarily mean they believe this. But here is the problem. This information I got off of these churches' denominations' websites. Okay, so it's not like hearsay or I'm kind of thinking this might be the case. I got this from their website, so you'd have to say it's probably pretty accurate. Roman Catholics, Anglican Episcopalians. Episcopalian came from, um, came from actually the Catholic Church, but there were some immoral things going on, and the king of Eng England decided he would start his own church, and that's where Anglican came from, Episcopalian. And then there's an Orthodox which is kind of a, a, a different flavor of the Roman Catholic Church. I'm going to get back to the Roman Catholic Church in a minute. Then there's another group is we call a mainline denomination. These people are fairly radical. I'm just I'm trying to think of a better way of saying it, but they are. Groups called, uh, for example, United Church of Christ, <coughs> United Methodist, Presbyterian USA. Now it's different than the Presbyterian on the far left side as Re Reformation or Reformers. Presbyterian USA split off from um, the Presbyterian Church. Or I could say the, the Presbyterian split off of Presbyterians of America split off of Presbyterian USA. American Baptist, um, Disciples of Christ, um, those churches they do not believe they have, there's no political support for Israel, nor do they believe that they're um, theologically that um, Israel has any standing um, in the Bible as of, as of today. The Catholic Church, I'm going to go back to the Catholic, the Catholic Church, <coughs> excuse me, for a minute. The U.S. Conference on Catholic Bishops has stated <coughs> Through prayer, pilgrimage, relief, development projects, and public actions, that the Catholic Church is dedicated to a two-state solution. And basically what they're saying is that we recognize Israel as a right to exist, but we also believe that they should split their country with the Palestines, the Palestines. Um, there's a lot of things that you'll see out there about the nation of Palestine, etc. There is no such nation that doesn't exist, it never did. 
Um, but people are trying to get buzzwords in there to make it or imply that Pal Palestine is a nation and, <coughs> and Israel took them over. <coughs> Excuse me. Catholics do not believe that Jews have been accursed, as many denominations I'm getting ready to show you do. Um, they consider them, this is a very unusual theological position, they actually consider them as their older brother, and the Catholic Church is the new Israel. Okay, so they're basically, and they're, they actually said, it's kind of like um, Abraham, you know, Isaac and his brother. He was kind of like, that was his brother. Well, the Catholic Church is kind of, they're basically giving that same scenario, and they basically, this is what they've said, that, um, <coughs> that they consider the Jews being the older brother and the Catholic Church being uh, the new Israel. The Catholic Church in 2016 joined the boycott um, of settlement products and companies pr that would profit from settlements in Israel. So even though that they say that, a lot of things that they're doing is not in line with what they're saying. Now I want you to understand, in fact, I had a discussion with somebody, I said, there's, there's a lot of Catholics do not believe what I just said. Okay, and that came from their website, okay? And I, I said that, and the person laughed, and they said, uh, that's because that they're starting to read the Bible. Um, perhaps that could be the reason. United Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church USA, United Church of Christ, the U.S. Mennonite Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church are all promoting the BDS movement as their official church position. Okay, They want to um, basically do harm to Israel to the point where that they want to crush them as a nation. If you look at the organizations that I just mentioned, United Methodist Church, they're going through a church split right now. They've actually split. Um, there are um, these groups that I just mentioned <coughs> are radical. And when I say radical, I'm not just talking about this theology. What I'm referring to is it's not just this theology that they're radical about. They're radical about the LGBT agenda, um, equity, justice, wokeness, um, everything you want to think about. Um, some of the things on their website are so vile. These are churches. Not really, but they're calling themselves that. That I couldn't even mention on, on openly. I couldn't even talk about it. It's so disgusting. Um, the problem with it is, look at the denominations that are supporting Israel and look at the ones that aren't. United States, the church in the United States is losing ground and they're losing it very rapidly. The Presbyterian Church, <coughs> USA passed a res resolution that accuses Israel of apartheid and they liken the Jewish state to Adolf Hitler's Nazi regime, regime. That is in their resolution. The Mennonite church, um, quote, Israel is sinful based on injustice and must come to an end. 
and that the U.S. citizens, we are complicit, complicit in this sin due to our government's significant and long-standing support of Israel. Mennonite Church, come a long way there. Evangelical Lutheran Church has embraced the BDS movement and they have demanded that any companies that profit from Israel's occupation be defunded. And they call for the U.S. government to cease aid to Israel. A couple years ago, our governor signed a bill that would prevent any government entity in the state of Florida from being part of this BDS movement. And I thank God for that. In the back of my mind, I always think, if God judges this nation, will he please spare it for Florida? Other denominations, the Alliance of Baptists, the Church of the United Brethren, the Quakers, Unitarian Universalist Association, World Communion of Reformed Churches have all taken um, radical positions on the BDS movement against Israel. There's another organization. Have you all ever heard of an organization called uh, World Vision? Anybody heard of World Vision? Well, Muhammad Eliaba, it's Eliaba, Ab. He's a leader of a non. He was a leader of this um, one of the parts of this nonprofit um, child sponsor organization called World Vision International. World Vision International, just to give you a reference, it was at one time in 2014, I believe it was rated as one of the top seven highest, um, they took in more money than any other nonprofit organization in the United States. They were in the top seven highest in the United States. I remember a number of Christian groups, um, including churches, by the way, um, churches are like, well, what do we, what do, we do? You know, we want to, we want to help needy kids and starving kids and, and um, World Vision, they still do this. They, you know, you sponsor children. So they give you pictures of children, these, these poor children that look, I mean, they look pitiful. And it's like, you know, I, I'll do anything. You know, what, what can I do to help these children? Well, give us money and we'll, you can sponsor a child. Well, this um, Eli Halibi, um, was just sentenced 12 years in a terrorist prison for funneling $48 million to Hamas, Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. The United States has determined them to be a terrorist organization, and a large, large number of countries around the world has named them as a terrorist organization. Instead of feeding starving Palestinian children, they were, they were actually buying and building rockets to attack Israel and murder innocent victims. A number of Christian groups, uh, probably thinking they were doing a good thing, um, seeing the pictures of these poor, starving children, they raised millions and millions and millions of dollars uh, to this organization. That's my, that's my introduction. I'm going to give you three points tonight, and they're fast, so um, they, they will be quick. Tonight, I want to give you three points, because I give you a lot of information, and I get, you know, you're, you're like, well, number one is, 
I am so thankful to be in a church that believes the Word of God and, and doesn't, they, they do not move from that. They do not move from that. Um, I was looking at a, a handbook that was 1972, that was 50 years ago from Ocala Christian Academy. And we were looking through this handbook and it was, it was interesting, the handbook was like, what was it, four or five pages? <laughs> uh, now we have, you know, encyclopedias, no we don't. But, and it's, it's not changed. It's not changed, and I'm so thankful for that. God made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac, and his covenant with Abraham and Isaac is an everlasting covenant. An everlasting covenant means that it is forever. God doesn't change his mind when he makes a covenant. God's plan of salvation is everlasting life. There are no if-then statements in everlasting life or his everlasting covenants. Secondly is this, theology matters. Theology matters. I can imagine, I know people that are members of some of these churches, and I don't believe, number one, they have a clue what they're doing with their money. I don't believe it. Um, good people, people that I believe are Christians, that are believers. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it. Theology matters. Okay. This, is not a, this is not a club. This is not a community center. This is a church that, is, that evangelizes the lost. You have to know what you believe and why you believe it. We as, as believers <clears throat> must take a stand for righteousness. This right here is going to take a toll on our nation. Because in Genesis 12, 3, it says this, I will bless him that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I believe that's true today. I believe it was true a thousand years ago. And lastly is this. We have a biblical responsibility to elect officials who support Israel. Amen. Amen. I think for too long the church has been quiet on issues like this. I, think, I just think we've been too quiet on it. Um, has it been happening and, and do we know it's happening? There's some of these, when I started researching this, I, had, I did not know. Um, I did not know the United Methodist Church had, had gone this far out there. I mean, I didn't know that they had gone on LGBT, on marriage, on other things. I had no idea that they were going after Israel to the level that they're going after them. This is the reason that anti-Semitism is at a, at, a, at a pace in the United States I've never seen before. This is the reason of the 100 and 67% increase in attacks on Jewish communities and Jews. And here's what I'm going to say about this. The Jewish community does not trust Christians. And I'm going to tell you why. They think 
Christians are the Catholic Church. Look at the history of the Catholic Church in Christianity. And even the Catholic Church um, has said, yes, you know, we did some really bad stuff. There were some atrocities committed by the Catholic Church. That is actually off their website. They've admitted that. But the Jewish community, they think Christians, that's what they relate Christians to. And then they, they know a little about, about the Reformation, about the people that came out of the Catholic Church and the Great Reformation. Martin Luther? I mean, that's not really a good indication of a Christian. And then they go on to Hitler that used what Martin Luther said. And then they see this stuff. They see all these churches out here um, that is completely, it's, I mean, even the ones that politically support Israel, I'm sure they're better with, but the Jewish community do not trust Christians. And I would say this, it's probably because they haven't seen us. They haven't seen us. They haven't seen you and they haven't seen me. Oh, they've seen Presbyterian Church USA. I guarantee they've seen them. They've seen um, United Church of Christ, which if you know anything about United Church of Christ, I believe their name is blaspheming. But they haven't seen us. So they don't know the love of Christ. They don't know the love of Christ because they have not seen Christians, um, real true Christians. We as Christians need to make sure the Jewish community know where we stand on Israel and the community. We will never have opportunities to win our Jewish communities for Christ unless they see the love of Christ. And I can promise you they're not seeing the love of Christ right there. I promise you they're not seeing that. They have a very distorted view of Christianity. And they, do not, they don't trust so-called Christians. I've had deep conversations with Jewish friends. And this is what they tell me. It's not that I'm just like, well, it just adds up, which it does. But this is what I'm being told, and I understand it. I truly understand it. They, they, wanna, they, they are okay with you know, communicating with us, but just keep, you know, keep your distance because you guys have done some really bad stuff. We as Christians need to have the love of Christ, and we need to engage our Jewish communities for Christ. If you, as a, a member of one of these churches, and I'm not talking to our, our members here and our people here, but I'm talking to people that's outside of here. If you see that list and you see people on that list or churches on that list that you're a member of, you need to get out. You need to get out. Um, this is the position. This is the money. They're spending money on this. This is not just taking a position on it. They're investing money into coming against Israel. I believe this is part of the end times, Pastor. This is the end times. This is what they're doing. And I believe at some point somebody will come along on the scene. Jewish Jews and Israel want peace. 
in Psalm, very specifically, it says pray for peace of Jerusalem. Do we ever do that? As, a, as you and I, as, as, as believers, do we do that? Um, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing that. They need Jesus, and we are not going to show them Jesus when, they, when they're seeing this. They're seeing the attacks. Um, there's things that you can do that's outside of here. I will get with you and, and give you some ideas of what we can do. But we as believers need to show Jesus uh, to our Jewish friends and community. And we need to openly support them. We need to let them know, yes, you are God's chosen people. But we also know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that the way of salvation for me is the same way it is for the Jewish, uh, my Jewish friends. It's through Jesus Christ. And they need to know that. In Genesis 12, 3, I've, I've already read this once, so I'm going to read it one more time. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I believe this is true, and I can give you point, points and points of how in recent times, countries and nations have rose up against Israel, and they were cursed. One of the largest, it was the largest nation in the world, known as Great Britain, went against the Jews. And look at where they are now. They're a very, very small country. They had more real estate than any nation in the world. But the moment, if you look at the timetable, when they went out and came out against Israel, look at the timetable and watch what happened. They continue to shrink, continue to shrink, continue to shrink. I believe that God's promise to Israel, to, to Abrahamic covenant, is as real today as it was when he made it. And I also believe that that blessing and that cursing is the same today as it would be um, many, many years ago. Let's pray.